Hey, my mamas, and welcome back. We are getting ready to dive into part two of my conversation with Erica Seifer, and where we are about to pick up is talking about the physical, mental, and emotional experience and recovery of early miscarriage. If you haven't listened to part one, I would go back and listen to that first. It'll make a lot more sense. Also, I want to remind you guys again that we are not doctors. We're simply trying to offer a perspective and some validation of your own experience and your emotions around this and simply some comfort. Before we head in, though, I would like to read a review from Jen T. 7115 Genuine, warm, and affirming. Wherever you are in life, you can find a friend in Sarah and unwavering support in this collective. Oh, I just like love every word of that. You guys, thank you so much for those who have taken the time to rate or write a review. I know I say this every time, but it really does mean the world. And I truly think it makes a difference between a woman sometimes clicking on this podcast and listening to it and hopefully getting exactly what we're hoping they're getting out of this, which is comfort and love and support and encouragement and empowerment and, and, and knowledge. So if you guys haven't done so already, please stop, pause the episode and go leave and write a review. All right, let's hear more from Erica. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone. And that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, It's mama time. I want to know your experience and your thoughts about kind of the, Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the body first, like your, your, your body recovery after the miscarriage and what that was like for you. Physically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So with the first miscarriage, that's the one where I had technically a blighted ovum where a baby never grew, um, but it was still a missed miscarriage because my body didn't recognize it. So the very first miscarriage, that was the misoprostol that I took. Um, I only bled with that one. So you go home, you take the misoprostol and you actually, for those who aren't familiar with it, you insert that pill inside of your vagina and you wait for it to dilate your cervix. And that is how you, that's how it helps your body expel everything. So the first time I did that, I bled heavily that first day, everything kind of came out all at once for me. Again, I was only, uh, I think like eight weeks pregnant, but the pregnancy didn't progress beyond six weeks. So I passed all the tissue that first day I had bleeding for about one week with that one. And three weeks later, I got my period back. So that one, you know, I gained a little bit of weight and blow in the beginning. But physically, that one wasn't too bad to go through physically. And then the second miscarriage I had, that's the one where the baby had actually, you know, we detected the heart rate and then the heart rate was gone. So that one was a little bit different 
We took the misoprostol. I bled with that one for two weeks. Again, like the day that I inserted the pill is when every, like all the tissue and everything came out. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of blood clots. It really just felt like a very heavy, very crampy, um, definitely nauseous the first day. I don't know if that happened to you, but I had a lot of nausea that first day. Um, but that one I bled for two weeks. Yep. Um, and then I got my period about two weeks later after that one. So, you know, it was different both times as far as like when my regular period came back afterwards and how long I bled. So I don't know if, you know, that was just by chance or because I was further along that I had more bleeding that time. And then the other chemical pregnancies, those were just, you know, just felt like slightly heavy periods. Those were not really anything, but I will say physically the going from being pregnant to non-pregnant to pregnant to non-pregnant to pregnant to non-pregnant literally every like two to three months is when we were like getting re-pregnant again and then miscarrying. And then it was never more than a few months later, I was pregnant again. That starts to really take a toll on your body. I mean, I had, I had lost all my baby weight after Eli, but these miscarriages, I actually put on more weight, just fluctuating back and forth constantly than I did after having Eli. So it can really take a toll on you physically. Those hormones are going, yeah, they're out of, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Like, you know, I know you mentioned when you're, they're testing your HCG levels, when you become pregnant, your HCG will double or more every single day. And so your Mm -hmm. body, your progesterone will kick in. I think that six, I can't remember what, what week it is. It's in the early stages where, right. Like your, your progesterone levels are building uh, and the placenta will start taking over to, to basically to start excreting and, and creating that progesterone on its own to be able to support the baby's growth and kind of like a direct yeah. contact. Right? I think that but, happens around like 10 weeks or so that oh. the placenta takes over. So it's all your body, those first like eight to 10 weeks, you know, cranking up that progesterone and yeah, trying to do everything it can to stay pregnant. And, you know, I, the signals for me were interesting because I haven't gotten morning sickness or anything. I know you, I know you, I know you have really struggled this pregnancy and you did a little bit with Elijah, but I never had any of that. I had um, my, you know, my breasts will get a little tender, but the insomnia is usually really bad. And I bloat pretty quickly. Like I pretty, I pretty much immediately I'll have curves from my, you know, like a, like an hourglass. I don't have an hourglass by any means, but I'm trying to describe like my waist curve. I have that. And it's like almost immediate that I go like almost straight. Like my intestines start moving. (laughs) It's like mm-hmm. so awkward already, but you know, yes. I, you know, I get really tired super quickly. And I know a lot of ex- women experience that just like the fatigue where I, I usually can get up at 5am almost no problem. Like I'm a morning person. I can, I can jump right out of bed, but I can't do that when I'm pregnant a lot. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm, you're exhausted, right? Cause your body is doing everything it can to be pregnant and grow this baby. And that, yeah. I, that lingered after I think that was part of the hardest part, I think, with the medical miscarriage or taking the misoprostol was that those symptoms lingered for a long time, I felt like. Yeah. I mean, you feel physically pregnant until, you know, your body excretes everything until you take, you know, for us, it was taking the misoprostol, but you have all those same symptoms because your body is trying to produce all the hormones and, you know, your body thinks it's pregnant. So you're going through all those. Luckily, I did not have the like severe nausea that I had with Elijah in this pregnancy, which was another reason that we have had more hope with this pregnancy because 
but usually nausea is a, a good sign. Lack of, nausea is not, lack of nausea is not a bad sign, but nausea is a good sign. So that was like the silver lining for us. Luckily with the miscarriages, I never had the nausea, but definitely the fatigue and the bloating. Oh, I'm the same way as soon as it's almost like as soon as I pee on that stick and we get a pregnancy test, a positive pregnancy test, I am bloated and I already it's, look pregnant. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a flip a switch. I, you know, and, and I also feel like I get really irritable and just super emotional too, right? Like mm-hmm. because your hormones are so crazy. So I felt like that lingered for a long time. And I think that it can actually take, even with an early miscarriage, like eight weeks and below, I think it can take it. It can take up to several weeks for your body technically to get their hormones back in in you know in imbalance. So I think that's something that to remember that even if you do feel like some of the symptoms might go away or um, you know you've passed everything, I do think you have to you probably should be somewhat expectant that some of that probably will linger on right have some time. Yeah, like have grace with yourself and realize it's it's just because the physical aspects have passed, it's it's going to take more time to actually get back to normal. And like I said, since we had had those four miscarriages in less than two years, it just felt like I was in a constant swing. Um, I actually went, uh, with, I worked with my primary doctor and we found an anti-anxiety medication and that was like a godsend for me. So I did want to speak to that and how important it is to address your mental health when you're going through this. It doesn't matter if, you know, it doesn't matter how far along you are. If you feel like you're really early and it was just, I had a friend who kept saying, Oh, I just went through a chemical pregnancy. So I feel bad, like feeling this bad about it. And I'm like, no, you have to take care of yourself. You have to address, you know, your mental health. It doesn't matter how far along you are. A miscarriage is devastating. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to be patient with yourself and, and definitely don't, shy away if you need anxiety medication or if you need a, to talk to a therapist or a good friend, definitely addressing the mental health issues that surround miscarriage is very important. Uh, I totally agree. And, you know, I've been putting a lot of thought into this lately. I think after I, you know, it's been so weird the past, like this week is when I actually, I didn't, I had recorded these episodes, um, my miscarriage story last week, but then I, this week I, you know, I, I actually hit like publish, um, mm-hmm. and sent them out and it was a really strange, it was a really strange feeling. And I think I've really been mulling over so much of kind of what I discovered about that whole journey for myself and writing it out and speaking it and recording it. And something I have spent a lot of time really trying to assess and understand and remember is, you know, I was so shocked by how painful and hurt and just devastated I, I was. I mean, I really, mm-hmm. truly, the first and the second time more so, I think the first time was just a real shock on just on that piece, that piece alone. But it was really humbling because I just think that it's really hard to know how you're going, like anything, right? It's really hard to understand a pain someone's going through, the struggle or what anything feels like. Mm-hmm. until you've gone through it yourself. So, you know, I really just felt like it's so embarrassing for me to say this every time I do, but you know, I really remember seeing or hearing about someone past, you know, having an early miscarriage and I really truly thought in my head like there, you know, how is it possible they could be so upset? Like how could they have gotten so attached? But this is something I've been putting a lot of thought into. Mm-hmm. From the very second that you get that positive pregnancy test, 
And, and, and this is like not even taking into consideration the buildup of that, right? Like you're anticipating, you're right. so excited. I'm ta- I've got a, one of my really closest girlfriends right now who is, she and I are actually trying right now to get along to, to go pregnant. And I had to have a very real conversation with her of like, she's so excited and I get it. Cause I've been, you know, we are all, we've all been there and she's not had any struggles with any of this just yet. She's in the very beginning stages. It's so easy. You get so pumped before you even get a positive pregnancy because you are already dreaming yeah. about what your motherhood's going to look like. But the second you get this positive pregnancy test, it's like you immediately become mama bear. You get mm-hmm. so protective of your body because now you are growing this thing. Like it's not just, it's not just the responsibility of you. It's like you're responsible for this this growth and this miracle and this baby that you're growing. And so everything changes. You start, you know, you are more cautious when you're out in public, you start changing your diet. You don't, you know, like if you're not a vegetables person, you start eating more vegetables. Like Mm -hmm. you'd cut out the bad habits. You start planning the future. Like it, it is moments. It is moments. And if you have a miscarriage, those chemical pregnancies you have, like it's unbelievable how quickly our minds and our hearts get so invested in yeah. something so early. And I just, you know, think about if you haven't, if you haven't experienced a miscarriage, like think about how excited you are when you get pregnant in those early weeks, those early days, like just take yourself back to that and then think, okay, what if, what if you found out, what if that was taken away? You know, exactly. It's like your it's future just, is just stripped from you in the matter of like one doctor's appointment, just, alters the course of where you think your life is going. Yeah. Yeah. And you have this, like, you end up building this new connection to your body that you've never had, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are, I think when you become pregnant, at least for me, I know this is the case. I felt like I was more in tune with my body than I have ever been in my entire life. Like I would pay attention to every little emotion and like every, you know, like the bloating and the dizziness or the fatigue, like every little time, like if I had a weird movement in my stomach or like if I had cramping or if I like had constipation, like it would always, you know, like you're so, you become so, so aware of everything going on in your body and you build this yep. connection with it so quickly. And then when it's like, you said, like your, your, your future life, this dreams that you've had is like ripped away. You also with that, you, it's like that connection and that trust and that belief in your body sometimes can be broken. And so you will go mm-hmm. also through this period of time where you're just, there's like a body hate. It's like a new whole sense of body hate that you've never experienced almost. Right? Absolutely. Like, what in the world? Like, what did I do wrong? But like, what, what, you know, like, what is wrong? Like, this is what you're made to do. What is, exactly. what is happening? And I don't think yep. you're prepared for that. No, that was really hard for me. I definitely struggled with body issues. And then, you know, like I said, on top of it all, I'm, I'm angry and disappointed with my body for not being able to do what it's meant to do. I feel guilty to my husband that I can't carry our babies. I feel guilty to my son that maybe I won't ever be able to make him a big brother. And all of those feelings just built up to this like anger and extreme body issues for me for a while, especially that, um, since I had also gained weight with going back and forth with all the miscarriages. So that was one of the many aspects of why I just needed to go on the anxiety medication to get my emotions under control and try to just step back and try to have grace with myself and my body and not let those feelings of guilt and anger take over. It was, I struggled with the anger and just 
loathing my body for quite a while with the miscarriages for sure. And I think a lot of women experience this in all different type of like maternal, you know, issues, Mm -hmm. whether it's fertility, I'm sure you felt the same thing when you were going through some of that, like, you Mm -hmm. know, I think that is an important for you to understand that these emotions that you have are completely 100% justified. And it's really, really important not to try to suppress them because it is part of the healing process. So you are supposed to be, I think, angry at your body. Like those, those Mm -hmm. things are supposed to happen. Um, and I think it sometimes it's like, you don't know that you don't know happiness until you've had sadness, right. Or you until you've had struggles, it's kind of the same thing. Like you, you will, and you can develop, I think a more loving relationship and almost amazement for your body. But sometimes you also have to, t- sometimes there's these experiences where you also have to experience the, and hopefully, I mean, I don't want people to have to, to have to experience this, but you experience the kind of the failures of it or the um, just the gosh, what godly ways of things not working out as you really wanted or expected or hoped for, but -hmm. then, right. Like you get pregnant and you're like, okay, my body just went through in so much insane trauma. I just had three miscarriages and my body got its crap together. And I am like (laughs) growing this baby. And I, you know, I just, right. So I just think it's really important to let, it's okay to feel the body hate. It's okay to have those emotions. It's okay to be angry it's okay to just feel mm-hmm. like you are, um, you just really truly are drowning. Just, just let those move through you. And I think too, you know, like, I'm so glad you mentioned the anxiety medication. I think it's super, super important that you are talking to people. You know, I know we talked about this last time that, and that's part of the mission of this podcast is to encourage you to start talking about your feelings with somebody. Mm-hmm. So not so trying to avoid isolation because there is somebody out there most likely whether it's a friend or a family member or somebody in the support group that will understand what you're going through and mm-hmm. will be willing to hear you and accept, accept like really truly the, the pain and um, you know, they're here for it. And I, I think it's important to say to mention that to be considerate of who you are telling, because not everybody's going to understand. Right. One of the things exactly. Erica, I wanted to bring up to you and us talk about was, you know, you and I kind of um, made somewhat of the same decision about how we were, who we were going to tell and how we were going to tell and how early. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, why did you decide to go ahead and tell people about the pregnancies before that 12 week window? Yeah. So with the very first one, um, I, you know, when we weren't expecting a miscarriage at all, we had told just our really close friends and family. But I, I ultimately did not regret that when we did go through the miscarriage because all of those people who we did tell were the same people that helped us through it and became our support group. After that first miscarriage, you know, then you actually start to think about it a little bit more instead of just assuming everything's going to be okay. You think about, okay, these people who I'm about to tell you know, will also know that if something doesn't work out and will ultimately become my support group again. So every time we were pregnant, we told immediate family and a few good friends who just were so important and helpful for me to get through all of these miscarriages. I am the type of person who has to talk through everything and talk through every emotion I'm feeling or every bad day that I'm having or every anxious day that I'm having. And so those people were just invaluable to me in helping me cope and grieve 
when we did experience those miscarriages over and over again. So I, I was happy with our choice to tell our close friends and family. Obviously we weren't like announcing it on Facebook and right. And, you know, even at some point, I think like for our very, by the time I, we were working on this latest pregnancy. So pregnancy number six that I'm currently on, you know, we kind of talked about it and made the decision that we were still going to tell our friends, but there's a little bit, there's a little piece of you in the back. that's like, I almost feel guilty for like dragging my friends through this whole process, but that's why we just picked our close friends. Yeah. So that they yeah. could really just, you know, we told our very best friends who just wanted to be there for us the whole time. So we were happy with, with who we chose to tell and, and it really ended up helping us in the long run, I think. Yeah. So I, Cameron's the one that <laughs> just like out him. We had decided we were going to wait till 12 weeks. Well, he like went to week to work, I think like literally the following week and just like, you know, blurted <laughs> it out to everybody for the most part. I, think, I mean, we, we kind of took a little, maybe a little, we took a little longer to tell a lot of our immediate friends and family. We, I think we waited mm-hmm. until like 18 weeks to tell Cameron's mom and their side because we wanted to be home and tell them in person. But I, and it's interesting, this is almost like the intuition thing, but, and I did it for a couple of different reasons, but you know, when we got, when we were trying after we had miles, I had made the decision that I was going to tell, I was going to tell our close friends and family, like anybody who I would want in my inner circle to understand and know, because a, I wanted them to know if something like that were to happen, I knew that, you know what I mean? Like if I, if I acted mm-hmm. crazy, like this is why, you know, this is what I'm going through. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like I'm not just this basket case of a person, there's other stuff going on. But then also right. I almost think that I consciously almost wanted to make it, make it a point. It's almost like, I swear, it's almost this intuition. It's like, like I knew that this was like, and I really mm-hmm. didn't like this is about to happen, but like, I almost wanted to just drive this home of, and I'm very much a, I will go against the grain if I feel like there's a greater purpose. And I just think that, you know, we are so, we have just been brought up to be just to like walk in line and conformity and do what society says is right. And because our grandma did it this way, this is how we're supposed to do it. You know, it's just always Mm -hmm. supposed to be like this. Well, that's BS. You know, if you feel like you are excited or if you want your family to understand and know what, what is happening, you want to be able to discuss the the beautiful moments and the, and the hard moments, all of those things in between, like, it is up to you who you share this knowledge with. And if you want to say it before the 12 week mark, I think those are important things to consider at the very beginning, because if we don't tell anybody, you do walk it alone. Exactly. There is no worse place to be than to be completely and totally alone with your thoughts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's totally up to you guys, how you want to approach this. But I just want you to know that you don't have, like, you don't have to do what everyone else does. If that feels wrong to you, and this goes for every step in motherhood, like, if whatever you're being told to do, or whether it's in books or whether it's society or whether it's like you're, you know, a grandparent, if something, if you're being told to do something for yourself or your baby that does not feel quite right, you know, it doesn't really settling mm-hmm. with you, please know that there is another option and you have, you've got to listen to that because that's where it's like, it truly starts there. It can start there. <laughs> I, I thought it was cool that we both shared that kind of, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that kind of like that same, that same thought process on it, but, and, and, you know, back to, it is important. I think who you tell, because people who aren't going to understand, and it's not that you can't have an opportunity to enlighten them a little bit or, you know, help them understand so they can be more compassionate for you or for, you know, friends in the future, even for them, their own future selves. But 
you know, um, not everybody, like I said, not everybody's going to understand it. And sometimes people can say really hurtful things, even with the best intentions. And so you, I think for your own protection, you know, tell people, but also keep in mind that you might need to be somewhat, somewhat selective in that regard, right? Because how mm-hmm. someone responds to you, their words, even if they don't say much, if they don't say anything at all, affects you more than you, than you know. So yes. Erica, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was, um, there was, there was like two specific phrases that was said to me over and over and over again, and mo- more, more so in the second pregnancy than the first, uh, that really irked me, but I want to hear some of yours. Like, were there things that were said to you that you just really wish that maybe we could address right here? Yes. Really yeah. So I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, especially if they've never been through it before. And in the back of my mind, I know that they're well-intentioned. So I don't want to say that I'm mad or you know, irritated at these people for saying these things, but there are things that like, just are, just don't say that (laughs) they're better left unsaid or there are better things you can say. For me, I hated hearing it will happen when it's meant to be Yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, so you're just, you're telling me that this wasn't meant to be that just never really set right with me. Or when people are saying like, it'll happen in God's timing, um, those things for me are not helpful. I'm also agnostic. So I don't believe in the same God that they're so even no referring to. to. <laughs> so, right. So that, that really doesn't resonate with me. Um, honestly, if, if people don't know what to say, the best thing that you can do is just say, I'm sorry, or I'm here for you, or, you know, I, I, want to be here for you to talk and to support you in any way. Let me know how I can do that. You don't have to fill the uncomfortable silence with like empty words of reasoning encouragement. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like that, your reasoning that, you know, maybe it helps you to tell yourself that something will happen in God's timing, but that's, that reasoning doesn't translate to me. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm with you on that. So I, so I got some of the same things too, for sure. And I felt the same way. So I think that that says that's telling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, let's go back. Like you said, everybody, the best, the benefit of the doubt we, we know, and I know that I have probably said something in the past to somebody, just someone's super light. I bet you I have, I, you know what I mean? In my total ignorance and just not knowing. And so that's why we're having this conversation, but no one ever means truly there are very few people. If you're having this conversation with them that they ever really mean to be hurtful. So exactly. I just want to say like, if it's, if I mention a phrase that one of my family members says, and you're like, <laughs> uh, I said that to her, please know I love you. And I know you didn't mean it to hurt me, but you know, so I, so Cameron actually had said this to me a couple of times. And I eventually, after some mulling over of like, how do I approach this? Because I don't want to seem ungrateful. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to seem ungrateful mm-hmm. because I know he's doing his best. But I'd like, this needs to stop and it needs to stop here. And this is why. And if I could just explain to him what it felt like, maybe he would get it, right? So one of the, right. there was two phrases. One was, you know, well, at least, at least you have one child mm. and at least you, you're able to, to have babies or you're, you know, you, you are able to get pregnant. A lot of other people don't have kids and, or, you know, that's like, very, yeah, that's very invalidating. It's a, it, sure. and that is, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's like, yes, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, I know. I'm allowed to tell myself that because I did 
I did tell myself that to get through it a lot, you know, Eli became such an important part of my life and just like such a bright spot of sunshine in my life. And so obviously I'm thankful for having my child and I know that he's a blessing, but I agree with you when it comes from someone else, no matter how well-intentioned, it feels incredibly invalidating and makes you feel like, oh, they don't think I should be feeling these things. Exactly. It's literally like you should feel so blessed and so thankful and so lucky. And that should, that should overpower the the pain that you have, right? You should, you should mm-hmm. just feel blessed and, and, and kind of move along. And again, I know that's not what people intended or, it, you know, my own husband mm-hmm. said this to me, like, at least, at least we have miles, like at least we've been able to have kids. A lot of people can't have kids. And, and I, so I did, and I, I, I want to say this because I think, I think this is a part that we have to play. And these are the things that we have to say, if someone is saying some of these things to you, and it's hard to have these conversations. It's not easy. And maybe you don't have it with every single person. Right. But, you know, the way I approached it with him and it was kind of random in the car. It wasn't like something like, it wasn't like he said it and I had the opportunity to say it. I had been thinking about it. And I just said, honey, I, you know, you said something or you've been saying something and I really wanted you to understand, like, it's really, really hard and really hurtful to hear is, you know, and I explained it and told him, told him what the phrase was. And I just said, I know, you know, this, right? Like, how thankful are you? Like, think about this process and, you know just kind of the retrospective or like, you know, kind of flipping the script a little bit. And and it really is true. Like you said, they are, they, if you are, if you're experiencing miscarriage after you've already had a child, it, there is that like you are, so you've never been so grateful and so blessed. You thought you, you thought you were before this happened, but you've never been so grateful and so blessed for your child until these moments, because you realize how precious it is. You, yep. cause, and, and also because you've experienced it all and you really know how powerful that connection and that bond and the, the the birth and all of these things that you look forward to and you literally have imagined and dreamed every moment. You like, you, you know, all that. So exactly. Just, I agree. Yep. So you mentioned some of the things that felt good, which were like, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, like if there's anything I can do for you, I, I think, I think too, like, and obviously maybe not everybody is going to feel the same, especially people mm-hmm. who like don't like hugs. But I know for me that sometimes like if you didn't really know what to say or sometimes there's just not a lot that can be said, like literally just a hug sometimes, like just that like physical connection and just warmth. And because you're able to kind of, I think, relax a little bit when someone hugs you. It's like yeah. you have a little bit of a release, I think. And I, so I know for me, that was really, that was something that just felt really good and was really, truly, it was like often exactly what I needed. Not so yep. much words. Absolutely. And I also, Megan Stoker had made a really good point, And I just want to reiterate really quickly that, you know, the empathy kind of like speech and listening, just like that has to be really, really hard because we do want to talk about it, I think. And if they don't, I think the person won't, right? Like, they'll just say, you know, you're right and thank you and, you know, move on. But I think that I knew, I know that I, I wanted the opportunity to speak to it. Like you said, like, you know, we're talkers, like it, we, it's really important for us. So I think that that can be incredibly useful. If you are willing to hear them out, I think that that's invaluable. But exactly. I wanted to talk about kind of like the spousal coping. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This kind of goes to the, like the, you know, like what Cameron said to me. You know, like they mm-hmm. do they they think he didn't think that, like right? Like that that phrase that he said to me, he had no idea how that was a how that was affecting me. Not that he is not feeling blessed for miles probably even more too, but they respond to this very differently than us. 
exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're all humans and we all, we all view the exact same situation in totally different ways, depending on our experiences, depending on our personality. So it's just a very complex thing. That's why I don't like to say, you know, there's, here's a right and a wrong, there is no right or wrong way to grieve or to cope or, you know, it's so different for everyone. And my husband is kind of the opposite of me as far as I needed to just talk about it with anyone and everyone who would listen. And the more I talked about it, the better I felt. I mean, I would literally, if, if an acquaintance or someone would ask us like, (laughs) Oh, when are you having your next child? I'd be like, well, we've had three miscarriages, but we're working on it. And I would, I would talk about it. And my husband is not a talker. So I do know that there was the, the one wrench that was kind of thrown in that made me realize, Oh, I need to step back and see, you know, how my husband's doing because you just get so wrapped up in like what you're going through because you're going through all the physical aspects of it and the hormones of it, but it's affecting them too. Um, but shortly after we had miscarried, I mean, I think this was after our second miscarriage and I, had made a post on Facebook about it and it had been a week to a week and a half. And so just, I had assumed that he had spoken with his family about it. And so it, it was like 2am, which is when I make all of my deep Facebook posts (laughs) (laughs) that I posted something about miscarriage. And if you read it, you could, you know, you could tell that it was something that I was going through. Right. And the next day, Jason was like, my mom just called me and asked me if we had another miscarriage. And so we just had a big disconnect there where I was like, well, it's been one and a half weeks. I need to talk about it. I thought you had talked about it with your family. He hadn't, I felt horrible. And then he felt horrible for feeling like he was trying to silence me. So that was definitely something that we had to kind of work through and realize, okay, I'm going to need to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. We don't necessarily have to talk about it, but you know, we called his family and we talked to them after that and everything was okay in the end. But yeah, it's just, I guess being aware that not every, you know, your spouse is not going to be in the exact same boat or have the same feelings or the same thoughts or the same coping mechanisms as you are. Yeah. And like we were talking about earlier, this, this mind body connection. And then of course, the fact that you literally were the one that was growing this human being. So you have Mm -hmm. these, you have hormones that they are not experiencing you, right? They don't know the, the physical and hormonal aspects of it. They're not feeling that they of course have the hurt and the heartbreak. My husband was, he's incredibly, I don't want to say anything where he's like, Sarah, like you can't describe me like that, but you know, he's like, (laughs) he's he's a total manly man. He's like the manly man, but he also is, He's so loving and he really, truly does. He leads a lot with his heart. You know, he, he is very compassionate and very loving. And so he can be sensitive, especially when things, so I know that there was instances where we both cried together a lot, um, in different times mm-hmm. of this journey. And so I, I know that's there. I know that he hurts, but it doesn't feel the same. He doesn't, you know, I, one of the conversations we had had the other day, it was like, it was after, it was after the the convo I had uh, with Megan Stouffer, and it was, you know, mm-hmm. I was saying like, do you wish we would have maybe like found out the gender because we could have done that, 
you know, with that sample we sent in, like we could have found out what the gender was based on that. You know, do you wish we would have maybe found out the gender? Would there have been maybe another way we wanted to commemorate this? And his answer was pretty quick to this of no, like, I don't think, and it's, you know, he didn't see it as this baby. He didn't feel, and it kind of goes back to like, men don't even really understand that a baby is coming until the baby is like in their arms, right? Like Exactly. It's not real for them. So just think about that. If you are going through, if you've gone through a miscarriage is, so how quickly we fall in love and we have this connection and how heartbreaking mm-hmm. it is like, they don't get that, you know, mm-hmm. they just don't get to experience that. And you know, it's in, like a huge blessing to us, right? It's incredible that it, it really is like that experience mm-hmm. is incredible. It's also, it's also the hardest part. Yep. And so Absolutely. it's hard to see somebody, especially somebody who is there as like, they, you know, they are, they are the other half of this, you know, and Mm -hmm. they, they want to support you and do these things, but sometimes they're not going to know what to say either. And so I think we have to be understanding that there, that is a huge, huge difference. Our expectations need to be somewhat adjusted. And like you said, Mm -hmm. everybody copes differently. I'm the exact same way, Erica. Like I want to talk things out. If if we're arguing about something, like I want to resolve it. Like I, I want to like talk the solution out and come up with it immediately. And he needs time. You know, he needs Mm -hmm. me to like step back and give him some time to like chill and calm down. And, you know, like probably even like not think about it for a while before he's ready to think about it. Yeah. And so, you know, we all have those differences. So I just think that it can feel really hurtful when you realize sometimes that they're maybe not as upset or they don't seem as upset, but they cope in different ways. And so please remember that because Megan had made a good point that sometimes these things can break you. Um, mm-hmm. and it can be really, really hard on marriages, but just remember that each of you, each of us has a different way of coping and they just simply don't have the same experience as us. So definitely. Well, exactly. hey, Miles just woke up. He's crying. So let's just kind of finish this up. There was a couple of things we hadn't really hit on that. I think we should just touch on like in a couple of sentences. And the first was, we both really wanted to tell you all, like, there is a danger of Googling, and you probably already know this. It is a great resource to have, and you can do your research, but it can be, like, it can drive you crazy. It can be like a rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. So if you have somebody in this realm that you trust, like a doctor, then, you know, save yourself some of the, some of the, the like craziness and just give them a call. A lot of, a lot of doctors now have these portals where you can actually just message them and they'll respond back to you if you can't get them on the phone. Cause I'm, I know I, it's a whole other world coming from Kodiak to here. <laughs> like, I didn't really have, yeah. a, I mean, you know, it's, it's very different. I could talk on the phone with my doctor in Kodiak and here it's very different. So just, mm-hmm. just save yourself some of that because it really can, it can just, I think, add, it can add to the heartache and the pain because you're going to read things that scare you. And the last thing is, we just want to reiterate that we have got to, you need to advocate for yourself and listen to your body, listen to kind of the, some of your intuition on things, but above all else, please talk to people. Please talk to people when you're going through this. It is, mm-hmm. like we said, a really can be a really lonely and isolating place, and it's still something that we are trying to help people understand. There are still so many people who don't understand miscarriage in general, but I do think early miscarriage as well has the stigma to it. So please talk. Please talk to your family. Please talk to your friends. Please enlighten when you can if you have that opportunity. Is there anything yep. you want to add to that, Erica? No, I think that's perfect. 
All right. Well, I know Eli probably will be waking up soon. Miles is <laughs> throwing everything out of his crib. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so glad um, we can make this work. And I really enjoyed the yes. conversation and you're awesome. And I can't wait to visit and do a play date. I know. It'll be so exciting. Soon. Yes. You just let Sometimes me know when soon. you're ready. I'm ready when you are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, babe. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama led movement. If you're with me and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.